Welcome back to episode 72 of Sporting Max. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link, connecting you and your business with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Please welcome number 72. He's an AFL legend. He's lifted and held in his hands the 2008 Premiership Cup for Hawthorne. And he's currently working alongside former podcast guest Cam Luke at SEN Track. Campbell Brown. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. But today we're joined by AFL legend and Hawthorne Hawks legend, Campbell Brown. Welcome to the podcast, Campbell. Uh, it's an honour to have you on. How you going? Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Max. Good to good to be on, buddy. Um, take it pretty easy. It's uh, it's all going well. What about yourself? Ah, uh, pretty good. Just get a couple of interviews a week in the uh, in the lead up to Christmas. Yeah, outstanding. Um, now I'd like to start off with. Um, I know and I've seen on your socials and things like that, um, you've been doing the silver lining bike ride. I mean, I understand this is really close to your heart. Uh, what does this um, ride mean to you? Yeah, I'm not much of a rider, but um, a couple of years ago, my, my mother passed away from ovarian cancer and um, the Ovarian Cancer Research Foundation is the, is the charity that um, I think about five or six years ago, they, they started the silver lining ride. A couple mm-hmm. of people got together and rode from Adelaide to Melbourne and then oh, Sydney yeah. to Melbourne. And um, and they uh, they got me to do it last year. It was a virtual ride because of mm-hmm. COVID. We couldn't really go anywhere. So um, it was really good this year to to hit the road uh, as a group. And, and we flew up to Mildura um, and bike, bike rided all the way back, stopping at country towns along the way. It took wow. 10 days for, uh, <laughs> for the crew. And... Um, Pretty sore backside, as you can imagine, sitting mm-hmm. on a bike for you know seven, eight hours a day. But uh, we raised a couple of hundred thousand dollars of uh, of much needed funds for for ovarian cancer, and um, it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. So um, tough, but pretty mm-hmm. rewarding. So how many cases do you reckon you ride a day? Uh, it, it varied. Um, yeah. Usually, you know, a hundred. There was a, a day from Swan Hill to Achuca that we did one hundred and sixty three. <laughs> That was into a headwind, so it was pretty solid. Oh. Yeah, there, were, there were a few shorter um, days as well, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty solid. Um, can you tell me a bit about your childhood and what growing up uh, was like for you? Yeah, I grew up in Perth. Um, my uh, my family uh, born and raised over in, in Western Australia, and that's where I was born uh, until I was nine years of age. Mm-hmm. And um, then the old man he got a job at, at Richmond. Um, Richmond had been struggling financially for a few years, and um, he uh, he's a chartered accountant. So they got him over into their um, sort of commercial team to try and drive a, a little bit of of money towards Richmond and get some sponsors and stuff. And the plan was to only live here in Melbourne for two years, um, ninety three and ninety four, mm-hmm. and then go back to West Australia and and live and um, I immediately fell in love with Melbourne. Um, I just, I, I love it. It's uh, the sporting capital of the, the world. Um, <laughs> and so when the three or the two or three years was up and, and Big Mel said, right, time to move back to Perth. Um, none of us really wanted to go back and, and we've been <laughs> here ever since. Uh, what was junior football like for you? Um, yeah, it was good. I, I started playing. Uh, so when we moved to um, Melbourne, um, found a, a house in Hawthorne. Um, which is quite ironic. Um, mm-hmm. I started to play football for Hawthorne Citizens, um, junior footy club under 10s, 
played with them all the way through to about under 14s. And um, I was trying to combine school footy. I went to Scotch. So we had a you know, weekend football that was compulsory. I had to play. And then also um, started trialling with the Oakley Chargers, sort of under under 16s and then through the under 18s. And and that was sort of my uh, my junior footy. But I always wanted to, to play AFL. Um, but I wasn't, you know, a child prodigy that you hear about some some kids were just destined to play AFL footy. I had to work pretty hard. I was always pretty slow and pretty short uh, in terms mm. of height. So, um, yeah, just had to, to work hard. And then Hawthorne came along and gave me an opportunity in 2001. So what was your greatest advantage compared to other players as a junior? Um, I, could, I could always win my own footy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was a midfielder as a junior and... I, I quite enjoyed sort of the contested style of, of game. Yeah. Um, so that was probably one of my strengths. But as people mature a little bit differently, um, sort of as a 13, 14, 15-year-old, I was, I was quite skinny and a mm-hmm. late maturer. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, that was one of my advantages as a youngster. But it was gone once the, the, the bigger boys, I suppose, mm-hmm. grew and matured and for uh, – for, for a few years there, yeah, I was struggling a bit, but um, obviously yeah, matured, body filled out a little bit. Um, did a fair bit of work on my speed and, and my decision-making because I wasn't a great um, kick of the footy. Um, but Hawthorne saw enough grunt, I suppose, to, um, to give me a chance. Um, so you mentioned before playing for the Oakley Chargers and trialling um, with them. What was that sort of whole process like? Yeah, it was... It's great. The Oakley Chargers were fantastic. I had a, a coach called John Lamont who was um, who went on to coach Werribee and he's spent some time at North Melbourne. He he was a fantastic um, of coach um, for me at the time. He he backed me in. Um, I uh, I sort of I had a reasonably good carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, got picked for the, the state uh, under sixteen sort of squad, and mm-hmm. they cut it from fifty to forty. And I made that and they cut it from 40 wow. to 30 and I made that. And then um, on the last night, uh, we're at Princess Park and um, there was 27 of us there. Um, only 25 got picked to, to play in the oh. under-16 state carnival. And uh, so I knew there was, there was two guys that, that were going to uh, get told the bad news on the night. Yeah. <laughs> Training, trying not to catch the eye of the the coach and he called mm-hmm. one of them over and gave him the news. I was like, okay, now there's only one person mm-hmm. left to get cut. And, uh, and then he called me over and, and cut me. And, um, oh. and so that was, you know, that was pretty, pretty devastating at the time. And um, the feedback sort of was that I was too small and too slow. So um, I went away from that, just didn't get angry or upset. I just, uh, I just thought it was a good learning experience. So I got a speed coach, a guy called Bowden Babichek and I, after school every Tuesday for two years, I, I went down to Glenfrey Oval and I, I worked on my speed. And um, fast forward to two years later, um, the under-18 Vic Metro um, sort of selection process. And the coach from the under-16 was a guy called David Dixon. He was now the coach of the under-18. So it was the same guy <laughs> who cut me two years earlier. And same thing, squad of 50 made that, down to 40, yep, down to 30, yep. And, um, and, the last night, there was three players that were going to get cut. Oh. Um, and this time we were training at, at um, Vic- Victoria Park at Collingwood. And he gave one person the bad news. 
gave another the bad news. And then he called me over again. I was walking to him thinking, oh, this is deja vu. Yeah. Twice in two years, I'm going to get cut on the last night. And he told me I was in the in the team. Oh. Um, not because I was better than him, him or him, who he just cut, but mm-hmm. he'd gone down to, to Hawthorne training one night and he saw a guy rock up in his school uniform and sort of get changed and start doing mm-hmm. some sprint work. Um, and he turned to the guy was, was and he said, oh, who's that? You know, what, what is he doing? And the guy said, oh, that's, that's Campbell Brown. He comes down here every Tuesday night and does sprint work and speed work because um, a coach cut him a few years ago and said he was too slow. <laughs> and he didn't realise he was saying that to the guy yeah. that actually did it. So that's a pretty good lesson from a, a youngish age that, um, you know, sometimes uh, the, the harder you work, the, the luckier you get. And while it did improve my speed a little mm-hmm. bit, it's more the, the perception that had gone away and I'd worked on, on my weaknesses and that was enough for him to, you know, have the faith in, in me to give me a crack. So then how did you get um, and what was that AFL draft process like for you? Yeah, so um, I, I went on from that and had a pretty good carnival. Yeah. Um, we played Vic Metro, a Vic Country, South Australian, West Australian. I, I played like a negating sort of defensive back flank, back pocket role on Ashley Sampy. Yeah. Um, in, in game one, then on one of the Burgoynes in game two, wasn't um, Sean or Peter, but one of their cousins. Mm-hmm. And then in, in game three, the final, I picked up Gary Ablett Jr., who was a 17-year-old <laughs> and yeah. was playing for the country and did reasonably well on him. And um, from that, I suppose, I went from being a, a draft maybe. A lot of the recruiters were there over that carnival and um, and obviously Hawthorne and John Turnbull saw enough mm-hmm. and, um, pretty much on the back of that, uh, you know, they, they decided they were going to pick me up. So, um, yeah, the 2001 draft was was around the corner and, and they they used pick 32 to, to draft me to the Hawks, which was perfect considering I was living in Hawthorne at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what emotions were sort of running through your body when it was announced um, you got drafted to Hawthorne? Uh, it was just one of great um, satisfaction. I, I All I ever wanted to to do um, growing up was to play AFL footy. You know, I remember teachers would ask me year, year four or five as a 10, 11 year old, say, you know, what do you want to be? And people in the class would say, I want to be a pilot. I want to be a policeman. Or, you know, yeah. I always used to say, I want to be an AFL footballer. And mm-hmm. you have that dream as a kid. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't become reality, but mm-hmm. um, I was hell bent on, on, working hard um, and giving myself every chance. And and if I didn't make it, well, I didn't make it, but at least I could sort of look back and go, well, you know, I, I gave it a crack. So um, when my name got read out, yeah, it was, it was huge satisfaction. Um, mm-hmm. I realised that no point parting because uh, that's, yeah. that's just the start. You know, I've just <laughs> I've got my foot in the door. I've been given an opportunity. The hard work pretty much started the next day. Um, and I, I wasn't overly keen to go into state, like obviously mm-hmm. I would have had an interstate club pick me up, but to, to be drafted to Hawthorne, who just come um, come off the back of a preliminary final loss, I thought they yeah. were not far away from you know maybe some success. I knew a few people at the club, and um, it was a dream come true. Um, so then, what was your uh, AFL debut like? Yeah, it was a, it was a funny one. I um. I played in one of the uh, I played in one of the preseason games. I was a late call up, and um, mm-hmm. 
with about a minute to go, I, I sort of went up into a marking contest and I threw my hand in to sort of give a cheeky yeah. <laughs> rib punch to someone um, and I broke my wrist. And, oh. um, and so I had it plastered and I, I missed about the first three or four weeks of the, the AFL season because I'd missed a bit of game time. Mm. Um, they decided they were going to bring me back through not Box Hill, but the Box Hill Reserves, like the development. Yeah. So um, that's pretty embarrassing. I was I was the only <laughs> AFL listed player playing, you know, at nine o'clock, kicking the, the dew off the grass before <laughs> Box Hill. Right? So um, I played in that, got elevated to, to the Box Hill Seniors for another two weeks. I was just finding my feet. And uh, and then I got two weeks suspension for charging David Teague. So <laughs> that's, that's sort of... Um, set me back a little bit again yeah and then and then I came back and and they were discussing whether they'd bring me back through the box hill twos twos again and <laughs> they didn't but I was a million miles off yeah AFL level um or so you'd think and then I, I played two pretty good games Hawthorne had two pretty bad losses at the senior level and um completely out of the blue uh, Peter Schwab called me on a, on a Thursday which was my day off I was driving home from Deakin Uni I'd been studying and uh, I didn't even have Swabby's number in my phone, right? <laughs> so I just I answered the uh, the call, and yeah, he just said, "Brownie, Peter Swabby, congratulations, mate! Uh, you're making your debut this week against Adelaide." Wow. And it was a bit of a whirlwind because we flew there the next day, and the, the parents came over, and um, mm-hmm. and you know that that was great. But I didn't, I wouldn't say I deserved my first game. Yeah, <laughs> it, was more, it was more a point of just getting a few kids in and. And giving him an opportunity. Um, Sam Mitchell came in that game as well um, mm-hmm. for uh, another taste of footy. He debuted a little bit earlier, and from that day forth, I I never played for Box Hill again. So I, I never got dropped. I, I held my spot, and away we went. So I how hard? Ten goals. <laughs> so how hard did you have to work to maintain and sort of cement your spot at the Hawks? Um, oh, you, you got to work hard all the time. Like I never you know, truly felt felt safe I always felt like I was only one or two bad weeks away from you know getting dropped so mm-hmm. with that mindset I never got complacent um I just wanted to improve I wanted to become a better footballer and I, I started to play um as a forward which was pretty mm-hmm. foreign to me because I got drafted as a midfielder and and forward can be pretty difficult you got to be outstanding at some reading the play and things like mm-hmm. that then they threw me down back as a lockdown defender on a few guys and I felt um, that probably suited my my personality, my game style a bit better. I, yeah. I didn't necessarily need to get a heap of the footy. I just needed to beat my direct opponent, um, you know, one on one, and you know, try and tackle and chase and smother and do all those sort of one percenters, which uh, I enjoyed doing. So it took it took a little while to sort of establish a specific role within the team, mm-hmm. but I, I was happy just coming off the bench and, and playing whatever role that Peter Schwab wanted me to. Now you received a rising star nomination um, in your debut season. Do you remember this? Yeah, I, I do. It was the last round of of 2022. Mm-hmm. We went into that game um, against the Cats. The season was still alive, but we were, um, I think, we were 11 and and 10, and had to mm-hmm. beat the Cats by like 10 goals to make. The <laughs> um, so we we're having a crack. We played pretty offensive game. And, yeah. Um, I started up forward and I got on the end of a few. I think I kicked three goals in the first half and um, mm-hmm. went up only winning by a couple of goals. So it was season over. 
um, but it was a pretty rewarding way to finish the first season with, uh, you know, a little little bag of three and yeah, um, and then uh, a, a NAB Rising Star nomination. We we're on Mad Monday at the time, so <laughs> I, I didn't get too carried away. Yeah. Um, now I know you were in the international rules team in two thousand six. How did you find uh, this experience? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, Again, it was one of those things that you saw players go go over to Ireland and, and play the Irish, and um, you, you sort of dream that one day you could hopefully be part of that. Um, mm-hmm. Evan Sheedy was the coach at the time, and yeah, he uh, he, he decided he, he wanted to take a, a bit of a different side over there. Um, yeah, and Michael Voss came on the trip, and um, it was Barry Hall was there, and. Uh, Mm-hmm. Michael O'Loughlin and Fev and <laughs> Dustin Fletcher. They're all le- like they're all legends of the game. I was still pretty young. I think I was only sort of like 23 or or 24 years of age. So mm-hmm. um, you're just in awe of those guys. And we went over and um, had a great experience and played them in Galway, um, played them in Croke Park in front of sort of 90,000 fanatical Irish. And, and it was mm-hmm. a great experience. Um, so what were those games like for you in a different sort of style of gameplay? Uh, challenging, yeah. The, the the round ball, while it's easier to handle, um, it was really difficult to kick. Mm-hmm. And, and the Irish have grown mm-hmm. up with a, a, a ball like that, so they do little pokes and yeah. prods, and like they were they were far superior from a a skill perspective. Um, the thing we probably had going for us, and, and probably one of the reasons why Kevin Sheedy picked the team he did was were pretty aggressive and physical, mm-hmm. and. Um, and the tackling side of it's pretty foreign to the Irish because they're not allowed to tackle in Gaelic football. Yeah. This is a, a hybrid. So we could tackle um, and, and try and sort of nullify their skill with, with a bit of brute force and mm-hmm. um, things got a little bit willing <laughs> over there. Um, and uh, in, in fact, I think it was Barry Hall that absolutely poleaxed his premiership teammate in Tykenelli. Yeah. Um, that, that sparked things off and, and we beat the Irish, but they refused to, uh, to play the following year because you know they um they they didn't like the tactics we used. Um now in 2007 you were a hawk center half back. How did you earn that position? Like you mentioned before, moving down back um for someone who's not the tallest guy in the team. Yeah, it was a funny one. Um I'm only five foot ten, so 177 centimeters, so mm-hmm. pretty small. Um Probably the one thing that I did have going for me playing on those bigger guys was was I had quite a good vertical leap. Yeah. And back then, uh, some of the rules weren't in place that are today, like chopping of the arms, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So <laughs> that was my big go-to, obviously. Um, <laughs> but it, it just happened by chance. Uh, I think um, Clarko had me playing a, a sort of small defensive lockdown role mm-hmm. and we were, um, we were playing – Essendon early on in the season, Scotty Lucas had been on fire. He was leading the Coleman mm-hmm. and I, Clarko just sent me a text message during the week. And he said, how would you like to, to play on Scotty Lucas this week? <laughs> and I, I sent a message back saying, mate, I think you got the wrong number. I assume you're going to message Trent Crowe. And, <laughs> and, and he goes, no, I think you can play on him and, um, and we'll see how you go. And, and I, we beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, I played okay. You know, I kept Scotty relatively quiet mm-hmm. and um, it evolved from that because the next week we were playing St Kilda 
And then he said, okay, how, how would you like to play on Nick Rewalt? <laughs> then, then we played Fremantle Dockers and it was, um, it was uh, uh, Pavlich. Yeah. And, and it, just, it, just, it just evolved. <clears throat> and, you know, there wasn't a week that uh, I didn't semi-dread who my opponent was going to be, but mm -hmm. it was such a great challenge playing on the best players in the competition. I had a lot of support around me with some of the other defenders and you end up being named you know, All-Australian, which was by far the best individual season that I'd have ever had. Um, now, we've recently had uh, Scotty Lucas on the podcast. What was it like to, you know, play on him and try and lock him down? And then, like you mentioned, play on other Australian football legends like Nick Rewald and Matthew Pavlich? Yeah, the, like the thing that makes them great is, is how consistent they were over their careers and you couldn't afford to switch off for one second uh, on those guys. They were all unbelievably talented. Um, all had sort of different strengths and weaknesses. I used to watch a lot of vision of the opposition and try and work out exactly how they got their footy, where they got it, where they led to, mm -hmm. um, any little tricks they, they did behind play to sort of get some some space or a break away from the defenders. So I tried to be on top of all that. Obviously, Scotty Lucas was um, pre very predominantly left-sided, so you, you always tried mm -hmm. to force him to the side that he didn't want to, to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just little things like that. But um, that's the great challenge uh, that I enjoyed because every single week it's a, it's a different challenge and it's a guy that's you know, got, got different strengths. But Scotty, Scotty Lucas is a star. So what was it like to be recognised um, as an All-Australian for the first time? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, it's, I, I played footy to, to win um, and to, to play in finals and win flags. Mm. And at that stage of my career, um, we'd only played in one final series. That was 07. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, all I'd really had, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06, was um, disappointment at the end of the season. But yeah. Um, from an individual perspective, you know, it was it was a great achievement to be standing up there, um, you know, recognised as, as one of the best 22 players for that season was great. Um, I, I never even looked like getting All-Australian ever again. So <laughs> I sort of, I savoured the moment and um, mm -hmm. I just had a, I suppose, a, a freakish year out of the book. Injury-wise, I, you know, I remember I, I pretty much trained every session for the whole year. Wow. I never got any niggling injuries. Mm -hmm. Form was consistent. Game plan was really good. Clarko was backing me in on some of the, you know, the, the key forwards, and it's just yeah, it was just a fun. It was a fun time to be playing. Um, now I want to get into the 2008 uh, Premiership team, beating Geelong by 26 points at the MCG. What was your Premiership experience like? Yeah, it was awesome. Going in as massive underdogs against the Cats sort of mm -hmm. took a bit of the pressure off. I reckon. Yeah. Really young, young side and had the arrogance of youth. Um, we, we didn't really expect to be playing off in a grand final or winning a flag so early in Clarko's tenure. Mm -hmm. um, we were confident that we, we, if we played well, we could beat the Cats. You know, mm -hmm. they'd been so dominant. They'd won 07. They'd only dropped one game in 08. But we always felt when we, we played and we matched up pretty well against them. And, yeah. and the, the, the thing that we felt was our biggest strength was we had guys... Uh, that, that were quick, elusive forwards that could take mm -hmm. a mark. And if you go back through sort of history, you'll see that Buddy and Ruffy and those guys, they never really got hold of, of the Cats. It was guys yeah. like Mark Williams, um, guys like Cyril Rioli, 
guys like Michael Osborne, you know, those, <laughs> those yeah. small quick forwards. And, um, yeah, I remember just it was a, a, a cracking game of footy. Um, mm-hmm. The sun was out. It was hot. There was 100,000 there. We were, we were kicking goals um, out of our ass pretty much because uh, – <laughs> There was, there was balls coming off the side of players' boots and hitting teammates, you know. And um, I went around from 55 and kicked a goal, which I I still to this day don't know how I um, – I don't think I've ever kicked that far in my life. <laughs> it sailed uh, straight over the goal umpire's hat. So there's a few things went our way. Mm-hmm. Um, Geelong should have been in front by five goals at half time. They, they squandered some opportunities. And then, um, yeah, Stewie Jew lit the place up and we, and we managed to hold on and, and win a flag that not many thought we could. What was were the uh, post-game celebrations like? Yeah, Maxie, they were great, mate. We um, <laughs> we went pretty hard. Some people say we, we probably went too hard for too long because uh, <laughs> in 2009 we couldn't really back up our good work. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was there was a lot of fun. We went, we went up going to Hong Kong for a week and um, just good time to be alive. Um, now, you were allegedly put off the trade uh, in 2009. The club then stating uh, that this was untrue. What were the circumstances sort of like for you um, at that time? Yeah, it was a really funny one because um, I knew that after 2009 season, we're obviously very disappointed with, with our results, missing the finals. Um, mm-hmm. That you, you sort of felt that there was going to be some change. Um mm-hmm. I, my name had, had never really come up in in the seven or eight previous off seasons. Um, I had a year to go on my contract, so from my perspective, uh, I wasn't going anywhere. And um, we were desperate to get Shawnee Burgoyne. Mm-hmm. He had a relationship already with Clarko, and um, by all reports, Hawthorne and Port Adelaide couldn't come to an agreement, couldn't come up with a deal over the mm-hmm. first four or five days of the trade period. They they were desperate to get Brian Schoenmakers as a direct swap. Hawthorne knocked that on the head. Then they sort of threw up Jordan Lewis's name. Hawthorne knocked that on the head. And mm-hmm. um, and then when Port Adelaide threw my name up, apparently uh, Hawthorne said, well, okay, you know, we, we'd consider that. Um, he's contracted though, so he's not obliged to go anywhere. You make a couple of calls and um, and see if, if you can persuade him. And so uh, I got a call from Mark Williams. He was standing on top of uh, Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and we had a bit of a chat. Um, I decided that Port Adelaide, you know, wasn't a a footy club that I wanted to go and play at and Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much knocked it on the head. And from there, it was done. We we ended up getting Shawnee anyway a little bit later on in the trade period and um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't wasn't overly upset with it. It's, It's a business and um, you, you sort of try and do the, the best deal you can for the footy club. So from a personal perspective, there was no real issue. So what was it like to play with someone um, for, I guess, a season or two with Sean Burgoyne? Yeah, he, he's Silk's a great man. Um, one of the most humble blokes I've ever met. Uh, and, and what a player. He was, he was mm. everyone forgets how tough he was because he's so good with ball in hand. Yeah. Such a good user and decision maker. He was, he was tough. He's the perfect big game player. And in fact, mm-hmm. I think there's never been a, a better clutch player that's ever played the AFL. If, if ever you need a, a tackle, a smother, a, mm-hmm. a stoppage, a goal, whatever it may be, 
in a defining moment of a game, you go back and Sean Burgoyne's fingerprints were on it somewhere. <laughs> uh, and now in, 2000, uh, in September 2010, uh, you'd made the decision that you would go to the Gold Coast Suns. How did that sort of come about? Um, I, I suppose probably the, the year earlier getting put up for trade, you sort of realised that um, I was getting a little bit older. I was 27 years of age. I was pretty keen to to try and get a a three year deal at the Hawks and just sort of secure my my future into to the age of thirty. And um, they were adamant that they only wanted to give me a two year deal. Um, mm-hmm. And the rules had changed a bit. I alluded to the chopping of the arm rules. They brought in the no rush behind rules. So for a defender like mm-hmm. myself, um, there was a couple of little avenues that I used to do a bit taken yeah. away. Um, my role within the club uh, had had changed a bit too because I, I wasn't mm-hmm. playing half back on the best players anymore. I was sort of a um, a fill-in type player. I'd play forward. I'd play back. I'd, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like I didn't really have a, a definitive role uh, anymore. And while Hawthorne still wanted me, uh, the Gold Coast, you got the Gold Coast there sort of offering a third year um, vice captaincy. Yeah, the money yeah. was... But for me, it was about, okay, how many years of football do you think you've got left? And I was sort of thinking mm-hmm. for myself, four or five. How many years do you think you'll have left if you stay at the Hawks? And my answer to that was only two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been sort of tapped on the shoulder, thanks for your service, retired at 29, and um, and that would have been the end of me. So I, it was a tough decision to leave a, a club like Hawthorne that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in premiership mode as well so when you make that decision you, you had to realize that geez you, you know you might leave and they might go on and, and win a flag or two mm. more <laughs> um, can you can you live with that I'd, I'd won a flag and I felt like uh, it was a pretty good time to, to go up to the Gold Coast. Uh, so how did you find your time at the Gold Coast Suns? It was difficult um, I, I knew that it would be hard but I probably underestimated just how hard it, it actually was um, there was only six or seven senior guys, Gary Ablett, Michael Riscatelli, Nathan Bock, Jared Brennan, Jared Harbrow, mm-hmm. and myself, and 40 18-year-old kids pretty much. That <laughs> you, you had to take yourself and your, your mind back to when you were 18. Um, you, you were just learn. You were trying to learn about mm-hmm. your diet, about training, about sleep, about game plan. And um, I would sometimes get a little bit frustrated because I'd come from Hawthorne where I'd been around all these guys. We played so much footy together and I had a level of competitiveness and expectation about mm-hmm. how we go about it. But the young blokes were, weren't were capable of able to do that at that time. And they're young mm-hmm. and I was learning. And so um, we would we would lose by 100 points. And um, it was a pretty tough it was a pretty tough couple of years. But we started to get our mojo going for, for a little while there. And... Um, and she's had some talent. Like the talent in the place was unbelievable with Omira and Harley Bunnell, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Swallow, Dion Prestia, Tom Lynch, Steve May, like mm-hmm. all those guys now at other clubs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, they were all there and playing really good footy. What do you think's happened there with Gold Coast now where they've sort of let go guys like uh, a Hugh Greenwood? That was a bit of a shock exit. Um, in this off season, and then guys like Stephen May exiting, and Tom Lynch, and Dion Prestia. 
Uh, yeah, the management up there has been been terrible. Um, you know, I think good clubs don't make really bad decisions consistently, mm-hmm. and that's why they're successful. You know, they make the right decisions at trade table, uh, drafting kids, re-signing players on certain amounts. You know, like they're all decisions that go into footy clubs and keeping the club together, keeping them successful. Um, mm-hmm. The Gold Coast just have made too many bad administration decisions. So mm-hmm. Jeff Hines is another that, that left and went to Brisbane playing career best footy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's been one area that they've just never been able to get right. And, and the other clubs have sort of, you know, been sitting there circling, waiting, and mm-hmm. they just some of their better players. And I don't begrudge any of the players that left the Gold Coast Suns. Um, you know, it's one thing to sort of stay there and, and be loyal to the club, but... Um, mm-hmm they weren't holding up their end of the bargain, the Gold Coast Suns. And you've only got a, a lifespan as a footballer of eight to 12 years maximum. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to win premierships. You want to play in finals. You want to play at the MCG in front of 80,000 people. Mm-hmm. You, you weren't going to get that experience if you stayed at the Gold Coast. So a lot of those guys made the tough call to leave and they've had success you know, on, on the back end, which makes their decision um, the right one, I think. Uh, so how did your time in the league come to an end? Uh, I, I got into an incident um, in LA. Um, Stephen May and myself sort of yeah. <laughs> um, it, it should it should never happen. Um, and we got back to the Gold Coast and, and the club and I sort of mutually decided that we we're going to part ways and they mm-hmm. attacked me. Um, the wording was that you know we we made a mutual decision, but I would have loved to have kept playing. No <laughs> yeah. And in terms of, you know, I put my hand up and took responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. I apologised to Maisie. Maisie apologised to me. Uh, it was done in a in a pretty mature manner. I wasn't upset. Um, I understand why the club made the decision they did. Um, and, I, and I walked away, you know, pretty content that I'd had, played 205 games and mm-hmm. sort of achieved everything I wanted to in the game. It's not the, the way that you want to finish, but um, mm-hmm. sometimes life's not perfect and, and you just got to learn from those experiences. So how did you make the move, I guess, to the media side of the sport? Yeah, I always loved media and, um, you know, having an opinion. Um I'd done a fair bit of media throughout my footy career. I was, I was more than happy to sort of put my hand up when those opportunities arose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always the plan to sort of transition into the media. Um, it's a little bit harder um, when you finish the way I did because all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have know, a few people that didn't really want to, want me to, to be doing yeah. it. But just put the head down um, and I, I've been loving it. I'm just taking the opportunities as they come. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I believe you captained the Australian team um, at the Kabaddi World Cup uh, in Ahmedabad in India. Can you tell us a bit about this? Yeah, it was a funny experience, mate. I um, I sort of didn't really know what Kabaddi was. Mm-hmm. And I got a call completely out of the blue by a player manager called Bruce Cater. And mm-hmm. he, um, he basically said, mate, how would you like to fly to India and, and, and represent your country in this sport called Kabaddi, which... It's a bit like British Bulldog, I suppose. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, and I I sort of ears pricked up and I sort of went, oh, that's a bit different. I'm always happy to 
to sort of do something fun. And, and mm-hmm. um, but we were literally like leaving like a week later, and it wow. was um, it was spring, so I didn't want to miss the sort of Caulfield Cup and Caulfield Guineas, and I didn't really know I didn't really know anyone else that was going to be going. So um, he I, I knocked it back, and then he yeah. rang me like two days later, and basically said, "How would you like to be the captain?" And I thought, oh, beautiful. <laughs> you know, and you'll take that. I'm, I'm now the Australian captain. I'll, I'll definitely come and I'll ring a few of my um, my mates and, you know, retired teammates. And and um, if I can get a couple of them involved and on board, so I've got someone to travel with, then I'll come. And um, Stevie Milne and uh, Adam Schneider came. And mm-hmm. it was an eye-opener. I mean, I've never been to India. Um, mm-hmm. Great, great part of the world. And I'd never played kabaddi, so we were trying to learn the rules and everything on the run. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it was it was awesome. Yeah. Um, now you're currently working um for SEN Track with recent podcast guest Cam Luke. Uh, what's it like to work um at SEN and work with Cam Luke? Yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. Um, probably the two things that I, I love are football and, and horse racing, and just by pure chance, um, mm. they're the two industries that I work in so obviously I, you know, I do the VFL and um, work for Channel 7 and stuff doing some of their football when um, the opportunity arose 18 months mm-hmm. ago um, to start working on SEM track basically you sit there watching the races yeah <laughs> um, which I do most of the time anyway when I'm at home <laughs> uh, it was it was just awesome and mm-hmm. you know we've we've built that that station up a bit we've got some some followers now and some listeners and um it's it's like going into work and, and sitting there and just having you know having three or four of your mates sitting around talking a bit of banter and rubbish backing yeah. a few winners and um it doesn't feel like work it's it's awesome fun really enjoy it so what did you think of the Melbourne Cup this year uh it was unbelievable um very elegant one of my favorite horses of all time mm-hmm. I, I love the horse and I'm, I'm a little bit dirty on myself that uh, I didn't back her on the day. I, I sort mm-hmm. of fell into the trap that probably many did, thinking she was she was only a wet tracker. She could only run well on a soft or heavy deck. And yeah, um, I I wasn't a huge fan of incentivising in the first couple of runs, but when he blew him away in the Caulfield Cup, I just thought this horse is unbeatable. So um, I I got him round the wrong way. I would <laughs> I would have loved to have. To have um, hindsight, I would have loved to have had something on on very elegant, but I'd I'd backed incentivise unfortunately, and lucky the owners uh, own both of them, so um, good they're good mates of mine, and uh, we 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 partied pretty hard with the cup that night. <laughs> I've heard from Felix von Hof, who was uh, covering it from Sportsbet. He goes, there was a bit of a uh, different styles of partying going on that night. Yeah, it was it was a huge uh, it was a huge celebration as you can imagine. We we all went back to a, a nightclub in the city and mm-hmm. um, that was fun. And then a few of us went back to to a friend's apartment who, who um, I was drinking out of the cup at three in the morning, <laughs> giving us a, a rousing speech uh, yeah. about how good Very Elegant was. So, um, yeah, we, we were a bit we were a bit dusty the next day. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I suppose they'll probably win it next year, but I was going to say it's only, it's only one time that you win the Melbourne Cup, but the way they're going. They might mm-hmm. win it half a dozen times. They're, uh, they're <laughs> good owners. Um, what would be your best advice to anyone who wants to be a successful footballer, art or media person like yourself? 
Um, I think just work hard. Um, understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and, mm. and um, you, you know, just do whatever you can, whenever you can, to, to improve. Um, mm. You know, no one, not many people in this world get to where they want to be first time around. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a it takes a hell of a lot of um, rejection, knockbacks, you know, me getting knocked back from that under-16 Vic Metro side, mm. you know, it, coming back two years later, working on my speed. Um, it's History is littered with people that just persisted, kept trying, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually, you know, you need a little bit of luck in life as well, but uh, eventually if you just keep working hard and you stay the cause, um, you get there, and, and I think, Self-motivation is the most important thing. If, if you're motivated by um, fame or money or uh, Instagram likes or whatever it may be, uh, it's not going to get you where you want to be. You've got to be self-motivated. When no one's mm. you know, around pushing you on, you've got to be happy to, to get out of bed at 6 in the morning, go for that run or that bike ride or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you do um, because, because you – because you know that you need to work hard, not just for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a couple of yes/no questions now to do with sort of football and things like that. Um, first one is Hawthorne going to make the top eight next year? Yes or no? No chance. No. <laughs> do you think Melbourne can back up their premiership experience? Yes or no? I do. Yep. Yep. And the last one, I'm going to have to say Gold Coast in the bottom four. Oh, I'll say no. No? Why is that? I just think they've got too much talent. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of young talent. I mean, if Rao's fit and going, they're and a much Anderson, better yeah. side. Um, you know, guys like, like Rankin, he mm-hmm. would have learned a hell of a lot from his first couple of seasons. Lacocious, I'm a huge fan of Took Miller. Yeah. Um, they've got the nucleus of being a pretty good side. They just, they just have to start putting it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Campbell, for coming on the podcast today um, and setting aside, you know, sort of 50 minutes or so of your time uh, to come on and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour. No, nah, Max, absolute pleasure, mate, and, uh, and keep doing great things. Thanks, Campbell. Cheers. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sporting Max. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify or YouTube and be sure to follow our socials. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. This is The Voice of Melbourne, and we'll see you back here real soon for another episode of Sporting Max.